This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. As always, every Tuesday, we are taking a look at opening NFL lines and discussing how we think those lines are going to change as we inch closer and closer to game time. Before we break down today's slate of games, remember to give this video a thumbs up, ring the bell, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to this as a podcast, make sure to leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line podcast, and you will have a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. Our guys are doing pretty well. They are 14-6-1 with their against the spread picks on the podcast through the past five weeks. Eli, why don't you break down how your week five bets went? Yeah, so-so for me. It's been a good season so far, 20-9 and against the spread with some live bets included in there. But Four and three in week five. Giants first half didn't hit for me. Giants second half did. They they beat the Packers outright, obviously. Uh, Browns plus three. One is they, they lost by two against the Chargers at home. Commanders, which we'll get to later in our WTF segment, did not hit. Carson Wentz uh, did not perform well. I was about to say <laughs> something else, but I decided to keep it clean. And then Cardinals second half against the Eagles came through. Ravens. One outright, but did not cover the field goal spread as a three-point favorite. And then Raiders almost beat the Chiefs outright last night, but at least covered as touchdown dogs plus the hook. So, so-so week still came out net positive and looking to uh, have a good week six here with Mo. Mo, how did week five treat you? Probably about the same. Um, I, I think I lost more bets than I won, but I did have some large winners I think I was pretty big on Baker Mayfield passing over and then like I smashed a couple of look-aheads when I when I wrote the article uh a couple weeks ago I took 49ers minus three and and I'm I got Vikings minus six and a half so I actually won Vikings um when everyone else either probably pushed or did not cover lost a lot on the Colts Broncos game though that was very painful and Mo is feeling under the weather today. So thank you very much for uh, powering through and being here with us today. We're going to keep it quick so that Mo can get back to drinking his tea and taking his Dayquil and getting some sleep. <laughs> but all right, let's take it into. Oh, yep, there it is. Let's take it into the first game of the week. And that is going to be the Bengals on the road taking on the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints secured their second victory last weekend against the Seahawks and finally had the return of star running back Alvin Kamara, who had 29 touches for 194 yards. Now, on the other side, the Bengals are coming off of a loss by a field goal for the third time this season as they lost 19-17 to the Ravens. That being said, the Saints are still home underdogs here. Eli, why do you like New Orleans at plus two? Yeah, haven't bet this yet. I'm going to see if this gets to two and a half, especially with the injuries that I'll get to in a second. I think the market's already come in on Cincinnati. The line opened at the look at line was Bengals minus one. Now up to two, like you said, and, and might get even higher. But you look at Cincy overall in the grand scheme of things, and you go back to the Super Bowl run last year. I know you mentioned that the, that the, uh, the Bengals have had some, some negative luck in terms of one-score games. But you look at that run to the Super Bowl last year against the Rams and losing by three, even though they outgained the the L.A. Rams in the Super Bowl in terms of yards per play, 
they lost yards per play in their first three playoff games, and they were the first team ever in the Super Bowl era to do that. So maybe some one-score luck is going against them here to begin the season, and I get it. This Saints secondary is banged up. Lattimore and Marcus May may not play. Saints are also banged up at receiver with Olave and Jarvis Landry. It seems like Michael Thomas is going to be back this week with his injury that's kept him out of the last couple games. But we'll get to the defensive side of the ball in a second. Bengals are slightly above average against the run this season. So if you look at Cincinnati's overall performance through five games, you'll say, okay, how is the Saints offense that utilizes the 11th highest rushing percentage? So they run the ball a fair amount. How are they going to have success against Cincinnati? But then you look at who the Bengals have played so far and when they've played teams that have a competent rushing attack like Baltimore with that zone rushing scheme and the Cowboys in week two, especially with both of those opponents having a positive game script throughout, they struggled and they allowed the seventh highest rushing EPA expected points added per per rush attempt last week in Baltimore. So again, Bengals can be had uh, on the ground and this is a read option run offense that the Saints utilized with Dalton and Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, and even probably a little bit more efficient without Jameis Winston just because of the back injury and he wasn't really effective on the ground himself. I know it's Andy Dalton at 30 plus years old, but I I still might take Dalton, especially a healthy Dalton right now over Jameis Winston. So I think the Saints are going to be able to have success on the ground, even without Olave and Jarvis Landry to stretch the defense. Like I mentioned, Thomas should be back. But on the other side of the ball here, I understand that the Saints are going to be with likely without Lattimore and and Marcus May and Mar- not having May in the secondary last week. Lattimore got hurt midway through the game, but not having someone that when Dennis Allen runs a zone for, for much of the game was tough against a Seahawks passing attack that has surprised a lot of people. But what Dennis Allen does well, and we've seen it against Tom Brady, especially since Brady's come over to the Bucks, is utilize that cover one zone uh, scheme. And Joe Burrow, even though he has performed a little bit better against zone defenses this year, that's his biggest weakness. So I, I get it. The Saints might be a little bit depleted in the back seven, but uh, I I do think Allen's cover one scheme, if he decides to go about it the way he's gone about facing Tom Brady throughout his tenure in in the NFC South, I think the Saints are going to be able to limit a Bengals passing attack that is very explosive with Jamar Chase, even though Higgins has been banged up. For those reasons, uh, hopefully the Saints are a little bit healthier in the secondary for my liking, for my bet that I haven't placed yet, but I'm going to be on Saints as long as Thomas is in at a wide receiver. I'm going to be on the Saints against the spread, just hoping for a better number. And you uh, might like the Saints to win the NFC South as well. A little futures action. Mo was on this bet before the season started. I think at plus 325. And now it's plus 900 on DraftKings. And you look at their strength of schedule the rest of the way. I get it. The Bucs have the easiest strength of schedule. But then you look at the Saints. I mean, every team in the NFC South has a bottom five or a, I guess, a, a favorable strength of schedule. The Bucs have the 49ers and Ravens left. The Saints have the Eagles on their schedule too. So the Bucs don't have, have that opponent. And obviously one of the best teams in the NFL so far left on their docket. But I, I think the Saints are a little bit undervalued, especially at DraftKings 
considering that both teams' schedule the rest of the way pretty much lines up. And the Saints offense, I think, has some upside left. Even if the Saints go with Dalton the rest of the way, which I don't think is out of the question if this back thing lingers for Winston, I think the numbers for New Orleans offense might be depreciating this in the market a little bit to the point where there's value with the Saints. And Mo, you're leaning Saints here as well, correct? Yeah, let's just first say I, for one, am shocked that the universe is lining up for Tom Brady with another easy schedule. I would have never guessed that, whatever <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, I, I do lean towards the Saints. Uh, probably too many concerns for me to fire here, though. Those injuries are definitely concerning. I mean, they're just such important players, especially when it comes to the Bengals, although they run the ball way too often, so who knows. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I really, I, I mean, the the Saints offense is doing some good things. Um the problem is when you look at basically who they've been playing, uh, Seahawks, Vikings, um, they had they had really big, really big games against both of those teams. Uh, both of those defenses are awful. The Bengals D is uh, quite a bit better. Um, yeah, Vikings and Seahawks are both bottom five by defense DVOA. Cincinnati's top eight uh, in EPA allowed and DVOA. So the advanced metrics are a fan of the Cincy defense. So we could definitely see like Andy Dalton blow up game here, I think. Um, but that being said, they're not putting a ton on his shoulders. So I do, I do like the way they're running their offense. Like Eli was saying, uh, really leaning into Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and it's working. Um, I guess so when Eli says that the saints have some upside, I, I see it more on the other end, man. I, I don't know how this defense can be fourth worst in pressure rate. Um, I'm basically just waiting for that to to regress positively at some point. I, I just don't see how with the players they have, they're they're doing this poorly at getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, Especially against this Bengals offensive line too. Yeah, like if this turns, then this is a great spot for it to turn for sure because because pressuring Joe Burrow has really he's made a lot more mistakes than he has in the last couple seasons this year. So. Um, if they can do that, that's basically the big key here in this game, I think. Um, I, I think with having a good number here to tease and, and a pretty low total, although I have to say I, I do kind of lean toward the over, pretty low number for for two pretty solid offenses in a, in a dome. Um, but g- given the total and, and the fact that this is a, a good teaser number, I, I, I could see my, myself having some Saints teasers here this week, more more, more so than like just betting on the Saints. All right, it's time to take it into our second game of the day. And this one is going to be the Jags on the road in Indianapolis taking on the Colts. Now, Jacksonville is coming off of a pretty disappointing loss against the Texans where really they performed better than Houston in every aspect of the game besides the scoreboard. The Colts squeezed out a win last week against the disappointing Broncos. And we'll get into some more analysis on all of that, but Mo, why do you like the Jags here at plus two and a half? Yeah, I, I think you just—I mean, I think you basically just <laughs> said said a big part of it for sure. Uh, it, it's just a good time to buy the Jags. I think when they just lost to the Texans. I mean, people are looking at the Texans. Okay, they lost to the Texans, bottom five team, obviously, um, and that loss was like pretty much a fluke. I mean, they dominated the Texans and, and even like coming off of two losses, you know, the game before that, 
it's not a game I'm worried about. You know, they they faced a really tough Eagles team on the road in bad weather, and Trevor Lawrence fumbled four times. I mean, that's not something I'm worried about. That's not going to happen again. Um, I know he played pretty poorly this week. Uh, the interception he threw, that basically, I think was probably the biggest swing play in the game. Interception in the end zone, it was as bad as it gets. But, you know, he's still a second-year quarterback. He's still learning, um, and he's mostly been good this year. So... I do think this line is kind of insane. I mean, this is just going to harken back to basically what I was saying when they played the 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 Titans. This line is telling me these teams are equal, and I don't think that's remotely reasonable. I think the Jags are clearly better than the Colts. The Colts have two basically fake wins that they shouldn't have gotten. Um, <clears throat> insane collapse by the Broncos last week, and then that ridiculous game against the Chiefs with special teams and that bailout penalty. And they got completely dominated in that game from the line of scrimmage. And and I, I just look at this passing offense and just week after week, it's just looking absolutely atrocious. I mean, Matt Ryan, 26th in EPA plus CPOE composite there. Um, I, I just think he has not adjusted to the fact that he doesn't have an arm anymore. Like he's still trying to float these balls outside the, the hash and throw off his back foot like dude you can't do that anymore he's not getting protection either yeah and that's the thing and the jags are sixth in pressure rate so i just see him running for his life again a bunch here and i really want to buy the jags here off two losses that have some mitigating factors and 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 sell the colts off an absolutely completely unimpressive win i mean as unimpressive as it gets I, honestly, the only thing that like sucks about this one is is that the Jags already crushed the Colts once this year. So I just feel like uh, these spots always mess with my head when there's already been a 24 point whitewash in their favor, and then and then Colts are somehow favored here. But I really think that like the Jags are just a better football team than the Colts, and and I just can't see how they can be plus two and a half. I, I really don't. Uh, I think they're multiple points better than Indy. I agree with you here where this could be a buy low situation on the Jags. And again, we're going to touch on, like I told said, we were going to touch on this a little bit later, but the final score really wasn't indicative of how the game was played. Jacksonville had 21 first down to Houston's 13, more total plays, more total yards, more rushing yards and less turnovers than the Texans and still somehow lost that game. And for the Colts, like you said last weekend, I don't think it was a super impressive win against the Broncos. Alec Pierce made some pretty insane catches in the fourth quarter that kind of kept the Colts final drive alive. So I'm with you here. Buy low on the Jags. Eli, what are your thoughts on this game? I think... You know, as much as, because I can make the case for the Colts, and I don't think I'm going to lay it at two, two and a half. I, I think we've identified a pretty good wonk teaser if betters want to play it safe and and go Saints, tease them up through the key numbers of three and seven, tease the Jags up through the key numbers of, of three and seven. But with that being said, I know you mentioned, Mo, that the Jags outgained the Texans last week by 1.4 yards per play. I still think the market might be overvaluing them a little bit considering you go back to that Colts week two game. I know the Jags blew them out, but Colts skill position players, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce out, even though uh, Matt Ryan has underperformed and then some this season. Chargers also 
Justin Herbert was just coming off the rib injury against the Chiefs. So I, I do lean Colts in a revenge spot under a field goal with a, a much healthier offense, but probably a stay away here for me. Maybe a contest pick if I'm struggling with one or two, but I don't think I'm going to be betting this as a, as a straight bet. Now we're going to get into our WTF segment. What the f***? And my community is going to get a little bit of a break from this one. We're not going to talk about my neighborhood. We're going to talk about football for this WTF segment. And it was the Ron Rivera interview after the Washington loss, where basically the reporters asked him, why is his team underperforming in his division? And he just flat out said, quarterback. Now, I do not know. And we have the video here and we'll play it for you. Following up on John's question about the, the Giants, you know, they're up to a faster start. The Eagles, the Cowboys, you know, they've kind of all been rebuilding too the last couple of years. And it seems like they're farther ahead. Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at, at this point? Quarterback. Is that? I mean, with quarterback, like the Cowboys, for instance, they're they don't have Dak Prescott this season and still have been able to well, they win. Started with, well, they, well, they started, started with, with them, Dak, but they've... And they built around Dak, and the offense is built around Dak. Um, their backup's a, a guy that is very solid inside of it, inside of what they do. Um, and the truth is that, that this is a quarterback-driven league. And if you look at the teams that have been able to sustain success, they've been able to build it around a specific quarterback. You chose the quarterback here, though, so do you have any regrets about that, or how do you... No, I got no regrets about their quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple of games that he struggled. Um, but you look at his numbers from yesterday, and you would say, okay, look at his numbers he's had throughout the year. There was a time he was, you know, um, very solid. And then, um, un- you know, we had the unfortunate Philadelphia game, and he struggled a little bit in the Dallas game. But the way he performed yesterday, it just shows you, you know, what he's capable of. And, you know, we chose him because we believe him. We chose him because we looked at – what we felt were, were, were things that pointed towards him. I don't know if I've ever seen a press conference where the head coach just immediately throws his quarterback under the bus. So I'm very intrigued to hear your guys' take on it. I mean, if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm personally like crying in the locker room if my coach does that to me. So what do you guys think here? Yeah, he did try to walk it back a little bit. I think <laughs> it was late Monday or early Tuesday by saying, oh, I was just highlighting the the greatness or along those lines not verbatim but yeah sure just, right he was <laughs> he was saying how the the rest of the quarterbacks of the NFC East are performing well and to to his credit they are besides the one year that the Panthers made it to the Super Bowl and that was a great year I don't think defenses had necessarily adjusted to to Cam Newton I want to say that was back in in 2015 but Rivera hasn't really performed well as a head coach, maybe they they lost to the Seahawks in the divisional round. So he's had a couple good years as an NFL head coach. I don't want to necessarily negate that. You want to take a shot at your quarterback. I'm sure there are players in the locker room that aren't a fan of Carson Wentz's play either. But you're also going to separate the locker room a bit even more when you call out your quarterback. So it's hilarious because Mo and I have lost three straight bets on Carson Wentz and the Commanders. For that reason, I agree with you, Ron Rivera, but probably not the best thing to say from a locker room standpoint either. Yeah, definitely not uh, building team morale there by just chucking your quarterback right under the bus. Mo, any thoughts on this one? I know the uh, the team hasn't been great to you the past few weeks either. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if I've skipped betting Washington a single week so far. So I like I keep <laughs> saying in the Discord, no more Washington. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um What if this yeah, lied? Let me ask you this, Mo. If if Bears gets up to for some reason, let's just say the public comes in, maybe some sharp money comes in on Bears on on game day, and this line gets to Bears minus two and a half or minus minus two, minus two and a half on Thursday night football. Let's say it stays away from the key number three. Would that would you be interested in Washington at that point? Probably on a teaser just because the total. I mean, I just don't imagine this is going to be a heavy offense game, although we've been surprised before. I think what's great about this Ron Rivera comments is who he's comparing him to. That's the real kick in the balls on this one. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like he's saying, oh, man, Mahomes and Herbert, you know, what can we do? It's Daniel Jones and Cooper Rush, man. Yeah. I will say... I this is on me, but I didn't even realize that the Cowboys were four and one until last week. I was Says watching the lot. game. It, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I'm like, the Cowboys. Well, now they're four and one, but I was like, the Cowboys are three and one, and obviously they won last week to be four and one. So good for Cooper Rush, um, but. Yeah, that one shocked me. For some reason, I thought Dak was out. Like, they had been struggling, but clearly not struggling as much as I had once anticipated. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, we will take it into our third game of the day. And I believe, Mo, we are kicking it back to you. The two and three Arizona Cardinals are in Seattle to take on the two and three Seahawks. Now, Seattle is a plus three underdog and sitting up plus 130 on the money line to win this game. Now, one thing we know for sure is this Seattle offense can score, but we also know that this Seattle defense can give up a lot of points. The Cardinals are coming off of a close game with the still undefeated Philadelphia Eagles after their kicker, Matt Amendola, missed a game winning field goal. Mo, you like the Hawks here at plus 130. Give us some more insight. Yeah, game tying. But Oh, sorry, game tying. Yes. Let me just tell you, if you're relying on Matt Amendola to make a kick, <laughs> your, your day is already done. Okay? That's what I'm saying, though. To Nicole's point, if Matt Amendola makes a field goal, you probably give him four points, not three. So it could have been, should have been a game-winning field goal. <laughs> That's that's probably fair. I mean, yeah, you got a grade on a curve when it comes to Matt Amendola. Let me tell you, <laughs> Chiefs grabbed him off the scrap heap and sent him right back to the scrap heap. Um, yeah, when he when I'm looking at this game, I, I'm honestly like pretty stunned. The Seahawks are underdogs here. Um, definitely uh, surprised that they're getting a key number. I mean, that seems bananas here. I will say, like you said, the Seahawks defense. I mean, the Lions might be the only one worse. These guys are atrocious, okay? They just made the Saints look like, you know, the 
99 Rams. Um, but when I'm looking at two bad teams here, one team has a very good passing offense, and that's the Seahawks. And that's by far the most predictive thing. That's by far the most important thing. I mean, yeah, another loss for them, but man, it was not Geno's fault. Let me tell you, that guy's coming out and balling out every week. And I think at this point we have to at least buy in that he's a solid quarterback. I mean, his numbers are wild. He's he's right behind Mahomes and Allen in like the EPA numbers. Was Pete Carroll right about Russell Wilson? I It's, <laughs> it's, it's really starting to seem like it. <laughs> yeah, this trade could end up being going down as an all-timer. I mean, really, it could. Um, yeah, I, when I look at the teams that the Seahawks have really struggled against, which they definitely did, like the Broncos and the 49ers completely shut them down, um, especially the 49ers, obviously, but they really struggled against the Broncos too. I mean, the Cardinals are nowhere near these teams in terms of defensive ability, like not even in the ballpark. This defense is awful. It's like bottom 10 for sure. Um, and I also like kind of selling the Cardinals a little bit off a game that I just don't think is like really all that meaningful. I mean, they got a home game against the Eagles in a spot where the Eagles are coming off a big win against another, um, you know, at least semi-contender, and and they're going on the road here for mid-season uh, doldrums game, basically. Just a sleepy spot for the Eagles. I didn't expect a good performance from them, and they didn't have a good performance, but I'm really not worried about it. I think um, the market might give the Cardinals too much credit. And and the week before that, you know, they, they pasted maybe the worst team in the NFL, the Panthers. So, yeah, I think it's a good time to honestly just – and, and Hawks just didn't didn't cover in a game where they just had 8.1 yards per play. I mean, let's be honest. That was we, we needed Saints for the contest. That was our only winner, and I don't know if we deserve that one. Um, so I, I will say when you're betting this game, I said the same thing about this Raiders-Chiefs game last night. When I'm looking at games where I'm expecting 50-plus points, which the, the total is 51 here, I know it's really attractive to take plus three on the Seahawks, but... I really think you're better off taking the money line. Um, it, it's just these games with massive variance, 50 plus points, the points are not as valuable. So I'd rather just take, take some money line. That's why I put plus 130 in there and, and not plus three. And Eli, it looks like this one's going to be a pass for you. So give us some more insight on why you're going to stay away from this one. Yeah, Mo mentioned, first and foremost, he mentioned that, I mean, Andy Dalton... <laughs> Might have been what, like, or might be a year away from working in the grocery store, like, <laughs> like Kurt Warner was with the Rams. To your point, though, both secondaries are are brutal. Both defenses are bottom five in dropback EPA. I don't think that's something that regresses positively in either of these teams' favor. So while I'm not high on the Cardinals, I'm also happy that I my win total benefited from their loss and I won my second half bet against Philly. And to your point last week, sleepy spot for the Eagles and they suffered some injuries that we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, unless this gets to Seahawks plus three and a half, I know you mentioned money line potentially in play for Seattle. It's probably not going to get there with the hook. So I think I'm going to stay away from this one. But I do I do agree. I, I do lean Seattle. All right, and that means it's time for our final game of today's episode, and that's going to be the only remaining undefeated team in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they had a pretty close call against the Cardinals, again, for that game 
tying field goal. Um, but we have them uh, taking on the four and one Cowboys at home and they currently sit at four and a half point favorites. And Eli, you like the Eagles in this spot. So tell us a little bit more. Yeah, haven't bet them similar to the Saints yet again. Haven't <laughs> bet Philly just yet. It also depends on the injuries here along with the Saints too. So Mylotta, the left tackle, Dickerson, left guard, your center, Jason Kelsey, Nickelback, Avante Maddox, all out last week against the Cardinals or they suffered the injury in the midst of the game. So let's kind of see how the injury report goes for, for Philly over the rest of the week, especially because Dallas pressures the quarterback at the highest rate in the NFL, and they do so with blitzing about league average. So, I mean, this defensive front with Micah Parsons, who you know seems like he's going to be defensive player of the year, might even be the, in the mix for MVP if Dallas's offense is below average, league average with Dak Prescott coming back. You wouldn't expect that to be the case. But I, I digress. Back to this matchup here. Let's see how wow. Philly's Rest offensive... Rest Patrick Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen. Sorry for their families. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you want to give an offensive player and quarterback the MVP likely is going to be the case. I was just mentioning a long shot that our buddy Spreadopedia passed along on his podcast this week on, on VEASAN. But going back to the box score last week for the Cowboys and their final score, they, they won by 12 against the Rams. But you look at some of the box score indicators that would suggest that the Rams either should have went outright or maybe could have covered some live numbers. Dallas was outgained in yards per play, 5.0 to 4.5. So not not a huge margin, but still the Rams played better offensively. The Cowboys benefited from the block punt on the Rams' first possession and also the sack where you could have made the case after all the personal fouls that were called, after all the roughing the passes that shouldn't have been called uh, on Grady Jarrett and then Chris Jones yesterday on Monday Night Football as, as we're recording this on Tuesday. Micah Parsons probably got away with the most egregious uh, roughing the passer that wasn't called against Matthew Stafford, driving Stafford into the ground on the forced fumble that gave the Cowboys the field goal on their second offensive possession in plus territory in week five. And then you factor in the Tony Pollard explosive run for the touchdown. Besides that, the Cowboys didn't do much. So they benefited from two turnovers, which isn't indicative of long-term success. Yes, they had some turnover luck last season. Maybe it carries over again this year, like it seems to every year with the Steelers, with the exception <laughs> of this season. Sorry to take a shot at your Steelers, Nicole. Had but to. then <laughs> Had to. But you look at quarterback play for the Cowboys as well. Cooper Rush with 4.0 yards per attempt this season. And you mentioned the metric, Mo, completion percentage over expected. We didn't with with EPA, but Cooper Rush isn't even ahead of Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, all, both quarterbacks have flat out sucked for the most part this season, and Matt Ryan, who has also sucked besides his offensive line playing like crap so far this year. Doesn't look like it's going to get much better, even though the personnel is, is okay. So I don't think you can say that, yes, Cooper Rush has done his job for the Cowboys, but is that going to carry over against the Eagles this week? Now, the Eagles' biggest defensive liability is stopping the run, which is a concern against an explosive Cowboys rushing attack. I mentioned Tony Pollard and, and his ability to break off some chunk runs, and he did that against the Rams last week. But the one area that the Eagles should have an advantage in defensively is that Jonathan Gannon zone, because even though Cooper Rush has done yeoman's work against man-to-man -man when 
when uh, he's been called upon this year. He struggled big time against zone defenses, similar to Joe Burrow, and even more so in a small sample size because he hasn't played a ton of snaps over the course of his, what, five or six year career. So I think Jonathan Gannon is going to disguise some interesting zone coverages and mix things up against Cooper Rush, along with the fact that he's going to be under heavy pressure and the Eagles are going to load up in the box. And then you couple that with a a Cowboy secondary that can get exposed when they're not getting pressure. And Jalen Hurts is a rushing quarterback that Matthew Stafford is not when you go back to how well that that Cowboys defense played last week. So I'm probably going to be on the Eagles here. I know if the injury report gets better, then the Eagles number might get jacked up a bit from four and a half, five. But I still think under six, if Philly has a favorable injury report, I'll probably play the Eagles in some form or fashion this week. And Mel, if I'm not mistaken, you are in agreement on this one as well. Yeah, complete agreement for sure. Um, I had minus 6.5 here as fair. So I do think it's a good spot to buy the Eagles. Um, Eli was basically hitting on the biggest thing for me is, is Cooper Rush has been playing football on easy mode. I mean, Bengals at home is the only remotely tough game he's had. And at least it was at home. And, um, and he was the, bad in the second half of that game. Yeah, and the pass rush was was crushing the Bengals for a lot of that game. So he didn't have to do that much. They scored, I think, 19 points in that game. Um, yeah, at Giants, Washington at home, and then at Rams. He, he literally had to do nothing in that Rams game. I mean, they had 76 net passing yards. Once again, I mean, it's just multiple games where the pass rush is completely and utterly overwhelming the opposing offense. And, and Cooper Rush... All he has to do is just not torch the game, basically. But that's not going to happen against the Eagles. Um, you know, this is a very good team. They have a good offensive line when it's probably top five when they're healthy. Um, yeah, I'm looking to fade the Cowboys when they're not facing a team that the pass rush can just basically single-handedly win the game. I mean, I, I think, like Eli said, just keep an eye on the status of Jordan Mailata and and Jason Kelsey. Those are the two big ones for sure. Kelsey got banged up. Milata was already out. Uh, I think he was inactive. As long as they can slow the pass rush, I really do think there's some Eagles roll scenarios here. It's basically similar to what I was saying about Justin Fields last week, although he played very well. But it's just a quarterback we don't have much confidence in on the road in a negative game script. I mean, things can really blow up when you get in that situation. One last thing to to Mo's point. I think the Eagles are, I want to say 5-0 and against the spread in the first half this year. So maybe something to take a look at instead of Eagles full game. Maybe you take first half because you look at the, the differences from first half to second half in terms of points. The Eagles have scored 77 more points in the first half versus the second half. And that's the, the largest difference through five games since 1983 when the Packers were, were plus 78 in the first half versus second half point differential. That's via Scott Kaxmar, I want to say is how you pronounce his last name. So Philly, maybe a second half under look on the total too if this thing is a, a blowout in the first half. Absolutely. Yeah, this team is like very, very committed to running the ball with their big leads. Like they are not trying to put Jalen Hurts in harm's way once they go up. 
All right, guys, that wraps it up for today's episode. Eli and I will be back on Thursday with a special guest interview. As always, if you need more betting insight and analysis, visit us over at thelines.com. And if you want to bet any of the games that we discussed here, make sure to take a look at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, which is where we have all the best sign-up offers from our partners. Good luck with your bets this week. Enjoy watching football this weekend. Maybe not Thursday night football so much. I don't think it's going to be a very interesting one, but the games this weekend should be a little bit better. And we will see you next time. Cool. 